Welcome, everyone, to the best of Let's Go with Tom Brady and Jim Gray. First up, we hosted a very special media panel with some of the most recognizable names to cover the game, including Chris Berman, Scott Van Pelt, Adam Schefter, and more. Uh, 600 touchdown passes. My arm hurt when I reported that last night or, or <laughs> did the highlight. Um, did yours? I had a wonderful night. I had my daughter. I was throwing passes to her in the locker room after the game, and uh, we actually had the football. I got it right over here. Whoa. Hold on. Who would think that the football would just be? Ah. So she was actually the last person to catch this pass. It wasn't, it wasn't Mike's touchdown. It was my daughter in the locker room after the game. Nice. So, uh, it was pretty sweet. It's good to have her there. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Listen, I, um, we got a lot of folks on here, so I, I, I could, uh, you know, be an old Senator and, and go on and on and on, but I won't. Um, we did a lot of interviews through the years and, yeah. and it's may have been one. You might've been 36 or 37 time. I don't really remember, but at that time I'm going back eight years, whatever, you said you wanted to play to 45, all right? Yeah. And I went, okay, you're 36 or 37. Like, isn't that interesting? The, the question that I have for you is not, okay, so what's the number? That's not the point. Joe Namath told me a long time ago, he knew when it was time to retire when, beginning of his career, Wednesday when they went to practice, he started feeling pretty good. And then he felt the hurts till Thursday, et cetera, et cetera, and then, when he was putting on his uniform on Sunday and he still was feeling it, he knew this was it. How do you think you'll know when it's time? I'm not looking to put a number on it. How do you think yeah. you'll know? You know, it's not going to be physically. And I think when I look at all the amazing people on this call here, you guys love what you do. So no one came to you at the same point and said, hey, you're done. You've had enough. So I don't think it's, in my mind, a physical thing. I think it'll be more mental, emotional. For me, that it's going to be about um, mentally, emotionally, I'll know, okay, I've done enough. And I don't think my body's going to give out. I really don't. Cause I've, you know, kind of, uh, spoke about that ad nauseum, um, just about how to take care of myself. And, and, um, I really want to change, um, how people think about sports and aging. Um, because I never saw myself as like a prodigy. I really saw myself as someone who's really had to learn from amazing mentors um, over the course of my career. So I really want to educate people because I feel like to see people actualize their potential is what has been the most fulfilling thing about sports for me because of all the relationships I've had and because of all the memories that I've had from that. So if I can teach people anything as I go forward, hopefully I can be an inspiration in that way. Um, and they could just, they can just learn from it and take the information I can. I try the my best I can now, but I think it actually be a, exponentially multiplied in the future well good luck on your next 600 touchdown passes all right thanks pal love you big guy Boom. nice to see you boomer thanks so much for joining us we move to your colleague the great scott van pelt you see him every every night at 11 p.m on sports center hey scott thanks for joining us my pleasure jim tom congratulations uh on the victory um I, I was going to ask if you'd turn your hat around for Cowherd, but I see he hasn't, his head hasn't exploded yet. So <laughs> I think uh, he's all right. He's all right. We're good. Um, I've really been, really been blessed in, in, a, in a career time where I've talked to, you know, the Sabins, the Belichicks, the Shashevskis, the Tigers, Kobe, people like you, et cetera. And I'm always amazed by this. If I ask them to talk about wins, they remember them. 
But if I ask them about losses, suddenly the details are vivid, right? There's clarity in, in, the, in the recall. 602 touchdowns is insane. But if I ask you if you remember those more clearly or 194 picks, which, which is the answer? A good question. Um, I definitely note the losses more than the wins, but I definitely remember the touchdowns more than the interceptions. So right I actually can remember a few plays, you know, like the really important touchdowns. I really remember very vividly the interceptions. I try to like the matrix and erase those from my memory as quickly as possible. But I, I uh, guess what, what, what I find fascinating though, is, is, is how, how does that, I mean, I guess maybe that, is, is that, is it fuel? I mean, I, I'm just trying to figure out how taking the negative and it's not that obsessing on it, but is, is it, is it focusing on what led to that outcome that helps provide more of the results that you're looking for? Yeah. I think that pursuit of perfection is, is kind of the sickness I would say, because it's a, like yesterday's game, good example. And I know it was kind of a, I would say, a little bit of a boring game. We won 38-3. We should have had 50 points. So in my mind, I'm driving home thinking, how did we not score 50 yesterday? I mean, 50 effing points was right there to have, and we didn't score 50. What's the problem? You know, and it's, there's not the joy of the moment because as I've gotten older, I want it to be perfect, even though it's very imperfect sport. So it's a little maddening. Um, and I think at the same time, that's kind of what keeps us going, you know, because it's yeah. it's a it's you try to be perfect in a very imperfect sport. Yeah, you had OJ Howard, right? And you missed him. And I saw you You said a few things. I get it. I get it. Hey, man, there's a million people waving. Congrats. It's good to visit again. I hope you stay well until next time. All right, man. Thanks, Scott. Good luck to you, man. Take thanks, care. Bro. Hey, Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Tom, thanks, I just man. wanted to follow it up when you threw the pick six to Robert Alford and you're down on the ground 28 to three in that Super Bowl against Atlanta. Did that motivate you at the time? Did it say? Did it say to yourself, "I got to get up off this canvas and, and ignite a comeback"? Do you no, remember that thinking, interception for a different reason? Yeah, yeah, no, I was thinking, shit. If we lose this game, it's gonna be because of that play. So that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was sitting there on the sideline. There was Very no good. motivation in that one. As we continue here on Let's Go, a town hall with Tom. Our program is brought to you by USAA Insurance. We're dedicated to helping the military community protect what they've worked hard for with insurance that meets their high standards. Get the coverage you deserve. USAA. USAA. Very good. Let's bring in our co-host, Larry Fitzgerald. Fire away, Larry. You're up. Tom, congratulations on on uh, another historic uh, moment yesterday in victory. Um, what jumped out to me yesterday, I was watching the game, is when Mike Evans caught that ball, he ran to the stands and uh, and gave the ball away. And immediately, <laughs> immediately, I'm starting to think, like, that's what makes Tom so unique. Um, you know, every, I've seen so many great historic moments by other people in other sports and they stop the games and they do all this pageantry and your teammates did not even know that that was your 600 reception. Um, and it is really like pinpointed how important the team aspect is to you um, and how you've ingrained that even into your teammates, even in a moment of that magnitude, nobody will ever do that again in the history of the game and you've done it and they didn't even know that. Um, talk to me a little bit about like, the message throughout the week, obviously you're preparing for the game and you're also thinking about doing something that will never be done again. So walk me through your psyche. Yeah, I, I love my teammates. I really do. I think that's the best part of sports is having teammates. And um, I don't, 
you know, you could play individual sports and I think that's amazing. But I think at the end of the day, your teammates is to me, what is the best part. And all the times I've had my teammates, I got a great story about Grunk today because he didn't play yesterday. And he goes, Hey man, you're missing your boy down there yesterday. You didn't quite get it in the red zone. And we were laughing. He goes, and congratulations on 600. Hey, do you know, I got 100 of those. You should start calling me one sixth. <laughs> And I said, oh, I like that. He goes, because I can't ever go down from one sixth of your touchdowns. So I think the fact that everybody gets to take pride in, you know, this aspect of, um, you know, team sport, which, again, seems like an individual thing. But, man, there's five incredible blockers. You know, it's a whole running back group that got us down there. And then ultimately someone's on the receiving end of those. And, um, you know, just, again, bless the player with the best players and, all these years I tried to recruit you out of retirement and come to the Patriots at different points. And you kept turning me down. I felt like a jilted boyfriend or something like that. I can't, could never get a touchdown pass to my boy Fitzy. <laughs> what did you say to Mike Evans about, uh, about that ball and giving it away? What'd you tell him? I know I, it was funny. Cause he came over to me. He's like, I'm so sorry. I said, no worries. No, it's no big deal. He goes, I, I didn't know. Accidentally, I accidentally gave it. I accidentally gave it away. I didn't know. And I said, well, I might accidentally not throw you another touchdown pass all season. We better get that thing back. <laughs> <laughs> so they found a way hey, to thanks. get it back. All right. Let's go to Adam Schefter, the great insider for ESPN. Adam, go ahead. Thank you very much, Jim. And Tom, congratulations on yesterday. I was very curious. I'm always curious about the story behind the story. And you are so focused and dialed in during the course of the game. How did you notice the young boy that was captured on video with the sign that Tom Brady helped me get through cancer when you were so dialed in and you managed to find time to get over to him near the end of the game to go say hello to him? Yeah, that was a, that was a great moment for me, especially, you know, and um, I actually had um, sent him a video uh, in March of this year, or April of this year. I'm like, cause I get different requests from time to time, but I was, he was actually sitting down behind the receiver bench and Chris Godwin was there and he said, Hey TB, come over here. And he goes, see this boy over here. He's got a sign. Um, you know, and I kind of looked over there and I kind of wanted to drive the start and then went over there. We was, I was out of the game at that point, but really sweet moment with the father and son and dad flew his son to the game after he had gone through, um, you know, really tough cancer treatments. And the fact that he was at the game was, uh, you know, really cool for their family. Obviously great for me to see him. And, and I, I did speak after the game. There's so many people that do amazing things in the community and so many NFL players that uh, do incredible things uh, with their foundations. And, you know, I think we all have, you know, the opportunity to give back in different ways. And, um, you know, it could be a simple gesture. It could be, you know, like we get, you know, hit up for a lot of different requests, but in the end, they all pay off. And, Paying it forward is super important for all of us. So it was a really cool moment um, for, for me to be a part of. Well done. You touched a lot of people. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Congratulations. Go Blue, baby. Yeah, you got it. And by the way, I had breakfast with Greg Harden a couple of weeks back. We took a picture. I was going to send it to you. I'm sorry I didn't, but he sends his best as well. Yeah, special man. Special yep. man. Thanks, Tom. Awesome. Good to see you, bud. You too. Did you see that young man, that little boy's reaction, Tom? Yeah, I did. I said briefly and um, was was obviously very, very sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Here's some more from our NFL media panel. You talked even before about like the sickness, right? Like in order to be great, you got to be crazy. And yeah. like for me, what drives me, I, I my, my own darkness, 
drives me. My own depression, anxiety drives me to do stuff that I could never imagine I would ever do. Right. What drives you like what leads you to your crazy? Yeah. I think the fact that I was. I had to, you know, I was the backup quarterback on a Owen seven freshman team. I was seventh on the quarter on the depth chart at Michigan. I was 199th pick in the four string quarterback for the Patriots. And I know there's someone out there that's trying to take my job. So, and I always said, if I ever get a shot in pro football, I'm never coming off that field. And um, that's where I think the work ethic comes from. I mean, I had a, obviously my parents instilled in me an amazing work ethic, but I never forgot that, you know, I never forgot what it takes to reach it. And then I know that if, you know, being great at anything, great athlete, great reporter, great business, great show, great family. It's to me, it's about repeating good processes daily. And if you have bad processes, it's luck, you know? And I think if you do the right thing, and fortunately I've been around the best people in the right moments at the right time to teach me about, Hey, this is the right way to do it. And I've just tried to be, you know, learn from that. And if I can repeat those and improve on them, continue to learn. Um, then I feel like I can, I can, I can make the most of my career. And again, I, the right people at the right time, you know, Adam talked about Greg Harden, who was a sports psychologist at Michigan, you know, Tom Martinez, who w was my first throwing coach when I was 12 years old, obviously my parents, you know, get drafted to play under Bill Belichick. You know, Alex Guerrero comes into my life. I married the right woman. I mean, it's just these people all supported everything I did. So it's a lot of luck. You know, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of luck. But, you know, in the end, you got to be supported by the right people. And, um, and you, you know, you, you got to put yourself, but you got to put, look, there's been a lot of guys who sat on the bench, right? And who are backups who didn't take it to your level of, I'm not just going to, outwork the world by a little i'm gonna outwork them by a lot and that's i guess what I, i'm asked like that yeah. extra little piece in you that yeah. makes you different than the rest of the world it like doesn't between, ever, between here or here and i think all of us on this call it doesn't ever feel like work i don't feel like i'm working you know i feel like i get to do something i love to do so i i, I play sports for a living what's better than that and I think, uh, you know, all the other guys feel the same way. We just wish we could do it longer, you know, and I was lucky enough to find the right person to help me do it longer. Right. So I just took advantage of it. And then, you know, I look back and I go, man, it just seemed very insignificant at that moment. But in the end, it really wasn't because I was just doing more of the right things. And I think the problem with athletes is sometimes you correlate bad process because at different moments in your life, it's successful. And then you repeat the bad things. And then you repeat the bad things, whether that's how you treat your body or, you know, choices that you may make in a personal life, maybe per instant gratification over delayed gratification. And, um, you know, it, it, it actually takes the wrong effect. So I think for me, it's just repeat good processes. And I think if you do that, then I think you got to, you, you put yourself in a good position. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man. Hey, next time Thanks, you pick my <laughs> opponents and then we'll do it. I'm in. I gotta see that. <laughs> Hey, Jay, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, really Jay. appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. You got it, guys. Tom, it reminds me of what you always say to me. If all you ever do is all you've ever done, then all you'll ever get is all you've ever gotten. And it really, it really kind of just speaks to what your career is. You're not doing the same thing over and over again. You're trying to change and you're trying to get to a different place because no one's ever been where you've gone. 
so you keep trying. And uh, I think that's really instructive. And now I'm going to turn to the absolute Bible uh, of NFL coverage, the great Peter King, Monday morning quarterback. Peter, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks a lot, Jim. Congrats, Tom. Thanks, Peter. Great to see you. Thanks. Uh, You know, the one thing that I think is so interesting about this era of football is that, you know, and I think back to when I covered Phil Simms in the 80s and 90s, and he retired when he was 38, and he said, I'll never forget, he said, I wish I could do this for the next five, six, seven years, because now I have the answers to the test. Yeah. Nobody can show me anything that I don't know the answer to. I can solve any defense now. And it was like he was in mourning about retiring at age 38. (laughs) And I just wonder whether you ever think about that. You know, these ridiculous numbers you're putting up now, I'm sure that so much of it is you go to the line of scrimmage and you look on the other side and you just say, my gosh, I know exactly what they're going to do. Yeah, I absolutely feel like that. And even the process of, um, you know, watching film to me, what would probably take me, I don't know, half a day now takes me two, three hours. I can get through, you know, and I'm I'm someone who the more I watch, the better it is, the more information I get. Like, so if I have two weeks to prepare, man, I'm way better than one week, you know, and I can process a lot of information. So the more you give me, you know, the more I can handle. So I, I mean, Phil's a hundred percent, right. You know, you get to be uh, my age, just like, you know, again, anyone who's had a lot of experience in their career, it should get, you know, it should get easier as you get older. Cause you've made a lot of mistakes and I made so many mistakes over the course of my career. So, so many interceptions. And I tell you one thing, like in a game that pisses me off, if I throw an interception, Oh my God, it ruins my night. I don't care if I threw eight touchdowns, if I throw an interception, I do not want to turn the ball over. I don't want to put our defense in a bad position. So I err so much on being, you know, conservative in a way that sometimes I miss opportunities because I know that, you know, oh, God, I've made that mistake before. I don't want to make that mistake again, you know. And football, you got to train it. So, you know, during over the course of the week of practice, you know, you you got to get yourself in the right frame of mind with the right speed of the play and, you know, figure out where all the problems are. But I've run so many of these plays hundreds and hundreds of times. I know where every mistake can be. So it's a good feeling knowing that I essentially had the answers to the test and then I could just make it a physical game because football is not a flowing sport. It's not like basketball or soccer or, you know, a, a sport. There's, you know, there's start and stop. So with the start and stop, we get to restart every play. And if I get to restart every play because I'm on offense, I can really dictate everything as opposed to defense. They essentially have to react to everything. So if I know the play and I know where we're going, I can essentially look at what they're doing and, and I understand where all the issues are. So if I get a little bit maybe behind a thinking process, it, it can be a little harder for me. Um, but in the end, I mean, there's so much that I've seen that, you know, if I could just make it a physical game and, kind of close my eyes and know who's going to be open. I mean, I'm going to be really successful on that day. Hey, take care. All the best to you. Thanks, Peter. Great seeing you. Let's go with Jim Gray and Tom Brady continues right here on Sirius XM. Our program is brought to you by Ring. 
Protect your house like the best with the award-winning Ring Alarm Security System. Score a special offer on Ring Alarm today. Go to ring.com forward slash let's go. That's ring.com forward slash let's go. Peter King. Thank you, Peter. Now we go to my, my dear friend, the voice of the NFL on the radio. You see him on CBS. He's also on TNT for the NBA coverage. The great Kevin Harlan. Kevin, how are you today? Jim, we're great. Thank you so much for inviting me, Tom. Great to uh, hear you and see you, and congratulations on 600. We missed you on Monday night with Jim and, of course, brought to you by Macy's. So, uh, But thank you for uh, inviting me to be a, to be a part of this uh, wonderful group. Now we're brought to you by so Ring and everything else. Ring and USAA <laughs> and United Wholesale Mortgage and, and of course, That's Mastro's right. and Morton's. You've visited those restaurants like Mr. Brady That's a number right. of times. It was the first That's time right. in my life I got fired. I didn't even know what to make of it. <laughs> well, we a long time. We, we do miss you, and it's great to uh, watch your career. I, 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 you've kind of danced around this already, but I'll, I'll maybe take it to another level. Coaches will tell you that the hardest thing for them to do is to coach a, an aging superstar, a Hall of Fame bound player late in his career uh number one do you agree with that and number two reversing that tom what's what's the most what's the most difficult thing for a hall of fame bound player uh, about being coached i mean i think to teach an old dog new tricks basically is hard to do um i would say i'm not the easiest person to coach I'd, i'd agree with that um because I think you have your way of doing things, but I think um, I think a hard thing for me to would be to be with a young coach who doesn't have the experience that I would have. That would be very difficult for me. Um, who has an ego? So I prefer people without egos and humility because then I think it allows you to work together. So I appreciate older coaches too because older coaches I often see things the same way, especially when we've been in it for as long as we've had. You know I respect you know I've had obviously grew up with coach Belichick who was a great mentor for me and BA who's an amazing coach um, who always has you know great leadership ability great things to say in the moment so um, yeah I mean I appreciate the coaches that are just open and at the end of the day I'm the one pulling the trigger so um, you know you got to go with what I think is right because if I'm not confident we may as well not do it so if we're confident in it, then I, then I believe I'm going to do everything I can to make it work. I'll second what Adam said. The, um, <clears throat> giving the boy the, uh, your hat uh, yesterday was so touching and just such a wonderful example of what you're all about. Thanks for having me on. Jim, thank you for the invitation. Thanks, Kevin. Kevin, we'll be listening. Thank you, buddy. You know, I've, I've said this often, uh, and we're going to go to a break, but uh, all of you guys who know Tom, uh, I say this to people because I'm asked all the time. He's a much better human being than he is a quarterback. Think about that for just a minute because it's true. Snake, does that take us I don't think my wife would agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I could bring her on. She'd probably rebut a lot of that. Well, we've had her before. Bring her out. Let's see what what she's got to say. Oh, God. Sometimes she says too much. Well, you know, it's an interesting concept. You've thrown these 602 touchdown passes now, uh, but – it's been suggested that your ultimate goal is to catch a pass that you've thrown to yourself. Um, have you thought about that? Are you working on that one? I want to complete a Hail Mary. I'm 0 for, my, 0 for 22 years on a Hail Mary. Forget Aaron <laughs> Rodgers completes one every other week. 
Kyler Murray completes one every other every two weeks. I, I need to hit a Hail Mary before it's all said and done. Stay with us here on Let's Go. So much more. Colin Coward, Dan Patrick, Pam Oliver, Aaron Andrews. Many of the great names still to join us here on this program. As any athlete will tell you, it helps to work with an expert. For buying or refinancing a home, your expert is an independent mortgage broker. Find one at findamortgagebroker.com. Powered by United Wholesale Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS, number 3038, licensed in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. That's findamortgagebroker.com, powered by United Wholesale Mortgage. Stay with us here on Sirius XM for more of Let's Go. Welcome back to Let's Go. I'm Jim Gray along with Tom Brady, a special town hall with Tom. Our program is brought to you by Ring. Protect your house like the best with the award-winning Ring Alarm security system. Score a special offer on Ring Alarm today. Go to ring.com forward slash let's go. That's ring.com forward slash let's go. And let's go to Aaron Andrews. How are you, Aaron? I'm good. And when you guys just did that, my uh, my crazy beast just perked right up because he thought somebody was at our house. You guys know Howie. He's left an impression on quite a few people before. Howie. Um, Howie. How you doing? Congratulations. I appreciate it. Thank you. How's my guy Stoli doing? He's good. He actually has a question, but I told him I only have one. So uh, I, I had a big text chain going. I told Jim with uh, Ashley and Ogden, a lot of questions, but we'll, uh, I, I may try to throw two in. All right. Well, uh, looking forward to seeing you this weekend, but okay. You've had the most decorated career in football history. If you had to boil it down to one moment, it could be a play. It could be a win, a loss, which you talked about, even a moment in the locker room. What comes to mind first? Wow, just in terms of football, if I'm thinking about football in one moment, I'm thinking about the Seattle Super Bowl. Yeah. That's probably the one moment because I think what I realized, so the first three happened really quick and I think I went 10 years yeah. and realized, holy shit, this is really hard. You <laughs> yeah. know, and how lucky I was, like as naive lucky, you know, my first three, four, three or four, you know, the first Three, and then 07, you know, loss, 11 loss. I thought this, this is impossible. And then we won on a miraculous play. And I think that was like the time. And since then, it was like a great appreciation every time it happened. There was no taking anything for granted. And it was just, um, you know, it was, that was a really uh, pivotal moment of football in my life. You know, yeah. that was, that was, you know, football, uh, the ultimate joy. And I think like what you see with a lot of us athletes still is if you were to go to like a locker room, you know, guys are playing, you know, just we're, we still act like a bunch of 14 year old kids. It's ridiculous that you have grown men that are like, you know, they run into one another. And I watch my kids, my, my son, Jack, who's in eighth grade in the playground, he runs into his buddy on the court and they laugh and and I, we, and then I go, God, they're so young. And then I see us doing the same thing as, yeah. you know, 35, 40 year old men. I'm going, what is, we never grew up. We just never had to grow up. So that part's really fun. And I think that was the best part of that Super Bowl was just your reaction and hearing you scream. Okay, one more. I'm sorry, Jim, I'm doing it. Because we were watching <laughs> you yesterday run out before your game and your let's go. I want to know, was, has there ever been a moment that you've let's go too hard that you thought, Oh God, Alex Guerrero, I may need you. Come on. You give I so know. much to that. 
I'm telling you, I make sure my arm's really loose before I do that. Because <laughs> I've had one moment where I did a little too hard and that arm went a little forward and it, it bit at me and I was not happy about that. Yeah. So I've, uh, I've tempered it a little bit over time, but when I'm really fired up, it's just, we're cutting loose. So usually there's a let's F and go in there. Yep. And then, um, you know, that's, that's trying to get my, my self in the right uh, frame of mind for what we're about to do. So that's, a, it's a good moment. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Great to see you. Good to see you. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Aaron does a great job. Well, you talk about Seattle. The guy who handed you the trophy is on this call. The great Dan Patrick joining us. Uh, Dan was there for the trophy presentation, working for NBC. Of course, he has the Dan Patrick show. Dan, fire away. Thank you, Jim. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking back to that, Tom. I don't think you even realized, even when I was handing you the trophy, that, that <laughs> what just happened. Like, you, were, you seemed like you were in a daze. Yeah. Like, it, it took a little while, maybe. I don't know when it set in, but because your reaction on the sidelines, then you get up on the podium, and it's like it happens in about five minutes. Yeah. And I don't know if you felt that way. Like, what just happened? Yeah, because I think, you know, when you're the player in the game, obviously you don't have the, you know, what you guys have, which is the overall perspective of everything that's kind of gone on offense, defense. I don't pay attention much to what's going on with defensive stuff. You know, we kind of how the game ebbs and flows. I'm just kind of on the sideline thinking about what's the next series? What are they playing? You know, what are we going to run? Next thing you know, it's the last drive of the game. And now I'm like, okay, now I'm in tune. They hit the play down the field to about the four yard line. They hand it off to Marshawn and Dante Hightower makes one of the all time great tackles. And then Malcolm Butler, I mean, I know what happened right away was, you know, Chris Collinsworth said, you know, oh, what? why didn't they hand the ball to Marshawn right away, which automatically cues the whole audience that they should have handed the ball off. But in my mind, I thought that was one of the most unbelievable defensive plays I've ever seen. Because for a player like Malcolm, who has that ability and that, you know, instantaneous reactive twitchiness to go get that football, I thought, man, they're going to be talking about how great of a play Malcolm Butler made, which in the end, they never really talk about how great of a play they made. They always talk about the decision by Daryl Bevel that not handle off. So I saw that from my sideline, like that was one of the greatest plays I've ever seen because actually Malcolm had made a few of those plays that season against me because he played scout team corner a lot. And he was so quick. I mean, I would throw little option routes and he would break on him and intercept them. They're like, damn, no one does that. And then for that play to come up in the Super Bowl, you know, that was a uh, a great play by Malcolm. Obviously, you know, he got the Super Bowl MVP truck after that. I gave him the keys. I said, here you go, big guy. It's your truck now. And, uh, you know, without him, you know, there was it was a, uh, you know, that, that game would have went the other way as well. The question I had, you're six years younger than I was when I left ESPN. And part of the reason why I left is my wife said to me, you're going to miss – your kids growing up and they were nine through 15 and I was going to re-sign with ESPN for five more years. And she said, they're going to all be out of the house. And it hit me so hard that she was right. And I wonder you're 44, you have your kids, but that tug of war of wanting to be great, but also, you know, your wife saying, you know, if she does say like, how do you, how do you kind of juggle that? where you don't feel guilty going to work or how much time you put in at work and what you might be missing at home. Yeah, that's the, I've, it's the same thing here. It's the same thing in this house. And I think my wife has, you know, held down the house for a long time now. And I think there's things that she wants to accomplish. Um, you know, she's 
hasn't worked as much in the last 10, 12 years, just raising our family and kind of committing to being a lot in a life in Boston and then moving to Florida. But that's a, that's an issue. And it's, it's, it's the, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a very difficult issue to reconcile without just saying, Hey, it's time to retire. Um, and I think there's, you know, we're coming to the end here too. So I don't want to miss any of the kids stuff. And I think at the same time, there's a lot of parents who get two or three weeks off a year that, you know, they work real jobs and real lives. And, and, you know, I get a lot of time off actually. And I, there's a big part of my life. You guys probably, when you're running your shows, you don't get a lot of time off football players. We get a good, healthy off season. And I try to do my best with the kids, although I wish I was there more, but I think if I was there too much, you know, they might be sick and tired of me screwing up everything that's been going on in the house for a long time too. So I've heard that argument on the other side as well. <laughs> so I think it's a little teeter totter from time to time. And I'm trying like all of us to do the best we could do, you know, based on, you know, the circumstances. Uh, congrats on this past weekend. Great to talk to you again, Jim. Thank you for the invitation and everybody uh, who's on this. Uh, thank you. Uh, Thanks, for, Dan. What, what, for what you do. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. You're a great friend. Hey, Tom, is it tough to pick the two things you'd love between your family and football? I mean, one's internal and, and the other, you know, you have the external with, with your family. Uh, the other's just that love that you have for the game. Is, is it hard to try and have to pick? Yeah. And I think that I don't, I don't necessarily have to pick per se, but I've tried to incorporate my family more into things. You know, my son, Jack came in the locker room two weeks ago. My, my daughter, Vivi got to come in the locker room yesterday after the game. You know, and all, all the quarterbacks were like shielding her from all the guys. I said, Vivi, there's some of these things you can't see. Like, you know, we like like a moving wall. It was so cute. But, you know, trying to incorporate my family because, you know, they like all of us, you know, the work and the life they mix. You know, Coach Cower retired. You know, do you want to spend time with his family? So, you know, our family's ultimately what's most important. That There's no neglect there at all. And first of all, I also want to say thank you guys all for coming on and taking up time of your day. Everyone on this call, you guys are an amazing group of people who are so talented. And I know some people have gone off the call, but I'm just really grateful. I looked up to you so many, so many of you for so long. I grew up watching Sports Center and, you know, Swami counting down Sunday nights and Sunday night countdown. And amongst many other things, I fell in love with sports because a lot of people on this call. So again, I'm so grateful to have you guys on. Some of the newbies were kind of coming up together. And uh, seeing you guys make a mark, too. So super grateful. Hey, Swami, I'm going to come back to you. Did you have a nickname for Tom? Uh, you know what, Jim? I uh, Not really. I, I it, it was, unless he accomplished so much right away with the winning, unless I had an A nickname, I wasn't going to go with a B minus. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, a man called Brady, you know, the Brady Bunch. Eh. It's it wasn't befitting of what we were seeing at a, at a young age. Um, I, I'd let his name speak for itself. Um, hey, Tom, I, I, I would throw one thing. I remember you and I had a conversation after the Pro Bowl, which was after your first win over the Rams. And we talked about winning. And I said, you know, you kind of snuck one past customs. I don't know if you remember this interview. I mean, how would you? Uh, we're in Hawaii, so um, and if winning means as much to you as I think it does, you you already got one when no one was looking. You can put this up pretty high, and you said something to the effect of, "That's my goal. That's what I'm planning to do." Well, 
Once again, you didn't lie 20 years later. Les yeah. was an A-plus nickname. You were going with just Tom Brady. Love you. Thanks. Love you, pal. The Swami, Chris Berman. Jim Gray along with Tom Brady. A Tom Brady Town Hall right here on Sirius XM. Let's Go is brought to you by USAA Insurance. We're dedicated to helping the military community protect what they've worked hard for with insurance that meets their high standards. Get the coverage you deserve. USAA Insurance. And you always get the coverage you deserve with the great Pam Oliver. She's been at Fox Sports since the inception. Uh, she's covered three of Tom's Super Bowls on the sidelines. Uh, Pam, thanks so much for joining us. Go ahead. Thanks so much, Jim. And Tom, it's always great to see you. And it's a wonder wonderful conversation. I appreciate being a part of it. What I had for you was if you ever had to speak to a rookie symposium, um, given that the average NFL career is only, it's under three years. And obviously with your longevity, um, which is part of your great history, um, and as you continue to go forward, what would you say to some of these young men who, who have all these hopes and dreams and, um, but that they really don't have much of a chance, many of them to yeah. have a long career. It's interesting, you know, if you're speaking to that group of people that you would think about, and there might be, I don't know, 20 of them in there. The reality is, is a lot of those guys will probably just be happy being in that room. There'll probably be another group that may just be happy to make the practice squad. There may be another group that may just be happy to have a short career. And there might be a couple that really want to be become 10 year players, 20 year players. Because it really wouldn't, you know, I could say as much as I want. In the end, it's really going to be what's inside of them. And um, I just think you look at that sample, and I still see a lot of those guys now, like, you know, we have a practice squad. And, you know, I see a lot of those guys in the practice squad. In the end, they're just super happy being on the practice squad. And that's totally fine. And I know there's a lot of players who I've played with that are just totally content with the role that they have. Because sometimes the difficult part about sports, and I learned this from Larry. Larry said an amazing thing to me last year, and we were in a conversation with a group of people and he said, you know, a lot of people don't like being in this position because of what comes because of what comes with failure in this position. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you don't want to participate in this aspect, because if it doesn't go well, you also have to deal with this aspect. So the fear of failure ends up being a great inhibitor to the opportunities for success. And um I'm sure that speaks to a lot of people in a lot of different careers, but certainly in sports. And uh, the guys that I look in the huddle and I can see in their eyes and Leonard Fournette's a good example. You know, Lenny, we didn't quite know what we had last year and there was ups and downs and then came playoff time. And I looked him in the huddle and he wanted to play. He just, he wanted to play. And I, Julian Edelman, when you get in the huddle with Julian Edelman, when you're, when the game's on the line and you look in his eyes, that's who you want to go to battle with. And Rob Gronkowski, and I've had so many over the years, Tevin Falk. I mean, I could literally name, I feel bad naming a few because I don't get to name them all. But the true, you know, warriors that you imagine, man, if I'm going down, I'm going down with these people. Mm -hmm. I always think how I gauge a player is, if it was the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, who do I want on the field with me? That's how I value their ability to perform and shine at the greatest. Cause there's some guys I'm like, nah, I might have them in the first quarter, but not the fourth. 
But if you got to win the game in the fourth quarter, who do I want out there with me? And I think that speaks to who you want and the value that you see in those people. And really it comes down to, you know, mental, physical toughness and a lot of other great traits. So, um, you know, players come in all shapes and sizes and, um, you know, they don't always have to be the biggest or the fastest, you know, some of them can just be, you know, the guys that, that are willing to dig the deepest when it matters the most. And just having a plan B, did you have a plan B? I never had any plan B. And that was a probably, again, it wasn't a uh, confidence. I'd say it was being naive. I had no plan. I literally had no idea what I'd be doing. I still don't. People still ask me, what are you going to do when you grow up? I haven't grown up. So, um, you know, I never had, thankfully never had to, to, uh, to have a real job. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Great, Tom. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Bye Pam. Bye, Pam. Pam, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate your work. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks Jim. Got another special guest. He's calling in. I think he's down on the field getting ready for the game tonight. Uh, this is someone, Tom, who you've looked up to your entire life. This is somebody who you wanted to be as a young man and as a kid. Hall of Famer Steve Young. He's also former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback. Uh, I know a lot of people don't remember that, but I'm unfortunately old enough that I do recall those days. Steve, thanks so much for joining us. How are you, buddy? Good to see you, pal. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. I haven't seen you in so long. And Steve Young, for everyone out there, I grew up in the Bay Area. And fortunately, Steve was the reason why I fell in love with quarterback and uh, was someone I looked up to in every way a winner on and off the field and uh, an amazing guy. So thank you so much. Love seeing you and hope I get to see you soon. Yeah, Tom, you're the man. I I appreciate uh, our friendship through the years and now full circle. I started in Tampa Bay. You're finishing there and uh, you're making it look uh, a lot better than I ever did. That's for sure. I was, uh, I I was on two, uh, Tom, my only claim to fame in Tampa was I was the MVP of the two and 14 season. And the funny thing is I came back the next year as a 49er and received the trophy at halftime of the 49er Tampa Bay game. So uh, in the creamsicle uniforms back when it was like an inch thick, the jerseys, but anyway, uh, we won't belabor that. Congratulations and everything. I have a question for you, uh, and a little prelude, if you don't mind. Uh, Reggie White, whenever I'd play him, we were good friends. But Reggie, as you know, ultimate competitor, amazing uh, defensive lineman, one of the best ever. And you could hear him coming. And when you drop back to pass, you could he made a lot of noise. You know, like he scream yeah. and yell, ah. And you could hear it coming closer and closer and closer. And when he'd finally get me, it was amazing that all of a sudden, after all that screaming and yelling, he'd grab me, turn me upside, and then fall. let me fall back on top of him. And then he'd want to talk. Hey, Steve, how you doing? How's it going? How's the family? I haven't talked to you in a long time. I'm sure you've had this experience with some of the defensive linemen. It's rare. And I guess yeah. I, I bring that up because Reggie, to me, was the ultimate example of someone being able to take an intense, adrenaline-filled moment and then in a flash of a moment put on a different pair of shoes and yeah. be a friend. And so there's an athleticism to it. And so my question to you is, and yeah. I've wondered this, I've actually wondered this, how do you, you know, from all the rigor of what you have to do to be one of the best that ever, you know, that, 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 that you know, obviously the best that ever played, that, that you have to, there's a certain rigor to that every day. But then to put on the shoes of a family man that you've, you've proven that you've done such a good job of that. And there's some secret to it. I know there's something that you've done that you can share with us all on how you put on different pairs of shoes daily minute minute to minute so that you could be present you know Reggie was present in the moment even though it was adrenaline filled he could be a friend how do you how are you a dad 
and a superstar and all the things that, are, that you have to handle. Give, give people that some of us kind of a more um, mere mortals some ideas on how to how to put on different pairs of shoes and how you've done that. I, I think just like you guys do, I mean, I, I really believe, you know, you guys have set so many great examples. And I think the best thing I ever had was a dad that loved me and cared for me and was invested in me. And, uh, you know, I was the only son and the, and the youngest. So I got spoiled by my dad and by my mom and by my three sisters. And, um, you know, I just think for me, the competitive aspect is the competitive aspect. And then the parts where I get to not be competitive is good. And I think there was parts of my life and earlier in my life where I was competitive in everything. And, um, you know, now I'm more selectively competitive with, you know, other aspects of life. And I think the time to compete on the football field. And um, it's not, you know, other aspects of life probably don't. I'm not as competitive in any other little golf here and there. But, um, you know, we're, we do flip a little switch when we get on the field because, you know, you got to because they're, they're coming to get you, you know, and they're, you know, they're if, if they can sack Tom Brady at this point, you know, and not to use, you know, the me in third person, but. You know, I hear all the time, man, if there's one guy I want to sack, you know, it's because I'm the oldest guy out there and they, you know, I, I'm, I'm twice their age. So they want to, they want to sack me and, and it's pretty easy to get to me. They know where I'm going to be. I'm not moving anywhere. I'm not Steve Young, for God's sakes. I'm Tom Brady. I stand in the pocket. I'm five yards behind the center on every play. You're going to know where I'm at, you know, and if they could toss me down on the ground, they're gonna. So, um, you know, some of the rules, fortunately, they got to, you know, they can't quite pile drive me like they used to, but at the same time. Um, you know, it's, it's just, we got to flip the switch and it's fight or flight and, yeah. you know, you got to well, fight. Tom, I can tell you that's actually, you said something that I think people, I don't want to have them miss it because the truth is people think to get ahead in life, you have to be ultra competitive in everything at every time at every moment otherwise you're not an ultimate competitor yet what you just described is there's a maturity to competitiveness where you pick your spot. It's a white hot moment where you're going to be the most competitive person alive for that moment. And then you can flip a switch. And I guess that was my question is how you, yeah. you've, you, you're, you've learned to flip that switch. And that's what I've noticed a lot of people who think that they're ultra competitive. They don't know that it's not the time. Like it's, I don't need to race you to the car door. I don't need to like, like there's a lot of times when you're competitive, it just doesn't make sense. So I appreciate that. That's a, that's a, that's a mature statement right there that I, I think I hope everyone can hear because it would change a lot of people's lives who think that you have to be competitive a hundred percent of the time, a hundred percent of the places. Yeah. It gets exhausting. It gets exhausting yeah. to try to, to shit. I'm tired thinking about all that. It's, counter, I mean, it's, it's counter, it's counterproductive as well. Right. I mean, it's like you're never as good a competitor because you, 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 you exhaust yourself. So it's a, that's a good point. Well, yeah. I don't know how you, you do it at home either. Know. I mean, with kids and everything else, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, they, they, that's a lot of, I, I, I think there's, um, I always consider inputs and outputs, you know, and what gives me input and what's output, you know, and when you do things, you don't want to do, it becomes more of an output as opposed to, you know, doing things I really love to do are inputs for me. And I got it, you know, as I've gotten older, I, I was saying earlier on the call before you joined, you know, the mental emotional aspect is harder for me at 44 than the physical part. Some people it's the physical part. I've learned very fortunate to have the right people to take care of myself physically, but the mental, emotional, uh, you know, idea of what I'm missing out on and I need to, you know, I got so many people that want to come to games, but before the game, I'm, I, I just need to have my energy. I got to go out there and I need energy for, you know, the, all the guys that are come chasing me down. So, you know, I've got to have that as well as, you know, uh, the, the physical part. So that's, that's the most challenging part these days. Yeah. 
Steve, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question before you go. Uh, You obviously are an MVP, a Super Bowl champion, but when you hear a seven-time Super Bowl champion say to you that you are his hero and he has only identified you and his father and Joe Montana, even though he liked Michael Jordan and Barry Bonds, he's identified you as one of three people who is his hero? How does that hit you, and what does that what what does that fill you with? You know, to be honest with you, I owe Roger Staubach a great debt because he was my hero, and his poster was up. I didn't meet him until he walked out on the field of the '92 championship game to play the Cowboys. That's the first time I ever met him, but I'd known him for 20 years, and the influence he had in my life was profound. And in many ways, I'm I'm paying it forward my whole life for the for the for the what. Roger did for me. And so what, what warms my heart is that that helps me feel like I paid it forward, that Tom would feel that way about me, tells me that I, I, I did my part. You know, it's like, I owe Roger this debt. He didn't know me. He didn't know me from Adam, but the influence he had on me was profound. And so I, I feel like I'm, I, I, it's a heartwarming thing to think that Tom feels that way about me. And it's always been important to me. I remember when he called me down, he was, he was up in the hotel in the Pro Bowl, and I was down there at an alumni. My first year I retired, I was in some kind of a goofball f- flag football game at the Pro Bowl after I'd retired. And he called me when I was running around trying to make plays, at, uh, and he goes, hey, you got it, you know? And, uh, and I still remember just the, the appreciation for, uh, the, you know, the hard work. And I think that that's um, it's very meaningful. But more than anything, Jim, what you just asked me is, is um, super important to me that, that I've I've paid it forward, and and uh, there's an impact, and that means a lot to me, the world to me. Thank you. You have indeed. Steve, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Hey, great to be with you. Uh, very patiently, a lot of folks have been standing by waiting for their turn. It's now Colin Cowherd. You see Colin on Fox uh, every Sunday and throughout the week on his radio cast, which is simulcast across the country. And Colin, you're up now. The herd has come to you. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Jim, for um, inviting me. And Tommy, thank you very much. Never talked before. This is great. People say people say to me all the time, God, you you always talk Brady. And I'm like, yeah, he's the best ever. Why? It's not like I'm talking about a backup for the Jaguars. Yeah, I'm going to talk Brady a lot. Okay. Give me a break. So I was thinking about today, the one question. If Tom, if um, whenever the time is you leave, and if somebody came to you, maybe it was ownership group or a commissioner and said, Tom, um, you can make one radical change to the game you love. It could be a rule. It could be a CBA. It could be an off season. It could be a, um, I mean, for me, I hate the franchise tag. I hate my quarterbacks being trapped, uh, you know, with bad owners. I would just get rid of the franchise tag. But if you could have one radical change, what would it be to the sport you love? I think that what's happened over the last uh, 10, 15 years, and I think in the um, – it's a great question because the game that I played 20 years ago is very different than the game now in the sense that now it's more skills competition than it is physical football. I think in at in some ways they're taking away a physical element to the game that was the only way at one point to beat skill was to be tough. And when we yep. played the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were tough. And the – And when we played the teams that were just skillful, we won. And I think what's happening now is they're 
the way the rules are being set, I don't think that it's always in the best interests of the game that I once played. I feel like rules are being made. For example, the one is an example is there. The onus of protecting another player is now on the opponent as opposed to on yourself. So for example, I threw a touchdown pass. The 600 touchdown pass I ever threw in my career was to Mike Evans yesterday. 10 years ago, I never would have thrown that football because Mike had caught the ball. The safety was standing right there and the safety essentially can't hit him the way that right. he used to be able to hit him because all the safeties now are 200 pounds and they all cover. There's no Rodney Harrison. There's no Ronnie Lott. Uh, I mean, I can go on D Brian Dawkins. Um, there's a lot of players like Ray Lewis um, that I didn't throw the ball between the hashes because Ray Lewis was going to knock him out of the game. Not because, you know, he was going to, you know, make a tackle. And I think, the onus of protecting receivers is on, should be on the quarterback, not on the defensive backs. And the onus of protecting a, a running back should be on the offensive linemen, not on the tacklers who are trying to tackle the running back. So I don't believe in cheap shots, and I don't think cheap shots should ever be allowed. But if you are a professional athlete, it'd be like being in a boxing ring and saying, don't hit your opponent too hard because you might hurt him. Now, if I said, look, we're both able to protect ourselves, you know, right. we can protect ourselves. I'm looking at you. You're looking at me like, let's go. That's the element of the physical sport that I really appreciate that allows you to develop and grow. You know, I think so many quarterbacks I know, they run through the middle of the defense and they just probably know that in essence, they're not going to get hurt. I see Carson Wentz do it all the time. I see Daniel Jones do it all the time. And I'm in my mind, I'm thinking it's crazy. It's, you know, the defensive players are running. They all jump out of the way of the quarterback. That's not how I learned. I slid in Buffalo late. Nate Clements knocked my helmet off, literally knocked my helmet off. And it incited, their entire, it incited their entire sideline. And you know what I learned after that play? Man, you better slide a lot faster than that. <laughs> and I think in the, in, that, in the reality is you get it, you develop a lot of bad habits because we're not being taught the game that you're out there to protect your teammates. I'm not out there to protect the other team. Not someone's going to quarterback's not going to go. It's not a physical element to playing quarterback other than taking hits, but that physical aspect of the game, there's so many players in the NFL hall of fame because they were physical players. That was what they brought to the team. And there was positions. Some of the best players, they played physically and I'm not saying they played cheap, they played physical, and I think that's a big difference. And I think now we're taking physical players out of the game, and now it's a skills competition. And I'm not saying that we, we still get beat up and we still get hit. It's very different, though, in the fact that a lot of the players are – quarterbacks are throwing the ball in the areas we shouldn't throw it, you know, and they penalize defensive players for it. And I said that before. You can't penalize defensive player for doing his job. So I think an aspect they should think about how that impacts things going forward because – you know, so you just get, you know, it's, it turns into a seven on seven football. Yeah. Well, there's a very physical talk show host. I'm very physical. I appreciated that answer. That's, that's why I'm still on the air, Tom. I see it. I see it, baby. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. Thanks, Colin. Up next is a man I have tremendous respect and admiration for. 
Uh, he's just a, a, a wonderful, wonderful guy. I got to cover his career and his Super Bowls, and he treated us all with such with such great class, and and he was dignified and and he was fun. And I'm talking about Hall of Fame football coach Bill Cowher, who's now uh, every week on the NFL Today uh, on CBS. Coach, thanks for coming on. Great to see you. Thanks, Jim. Um, Tom. Hey, oh my gosh. Th thank you for that last uh, answer because it's one of the questions I was going to say. Physicality was a big part of what we coached, but let's just go back in time. I mean, I, I know, you know, thank you also. I want to thank you. My kids got to know Hawaii very well because of you. I coached many <laughs> Pro Bowls. And so, uh, so I appreciate that. And, and so we've gone back there multiple times. I coached multiple Pro Bowls and thanks to you. But, you know, I, I do remember the 2004 Pro Bowl and I remember sitting there with you and Peyton and Drew Brees and I'm thinking, wow, what a group of quarterbacks. And I just, my question to you is like, as you were coming through that period of time, and I always felt that the Pro Bowl was a place where you can sit down and get to know someone, you know, whether it's at the pool, your families are with each other, but it's also a great opportunity to share, you know, your experiences, your wisdom that you can, you know, tell me about what this is like. Tell me some of the things that you learned. Who maybe have been the most impactful piece of advice that you got? I mean, so much over the years, and and a lot of it's from um, you know a lot of teammates I've just been around. I think the again the appreciation of the sport is the people that you know as athletes we're not actors. You know, we're not. We're not. This is not a, a you know someone playing me. This is me. You know, this is my real person on the field playing. And I think that we're what you see out there is what we are. So a lot of these lessons you're learning, you're learning in front of other people, you know, and life lessons that it's it's reality TV. And I've had teammates, uh, Teddy Bruschi, one of the all time great friends, but just people. Um, there's so many over the years, Laura Malloy, Rodney Harrison, um, Junior Seau, you know, Drew Bledsoe. I mean, these guys that were older to me that I always looked up to and they looked after me. Willie McGinnis, you know, like they were like my big brothers. You know, I never had brothers, but these guys became my brothers. So I just, the only thing I try to do now, as Steve alluded to earlier, was try to do the same thing for those guys that those guys did for me. Because, you know, we had, you had coaching mentors, I'm sure that you just loved and you looked up to. I had my playing mentors, you know, Peyton Manning. I mean, and nobody appreciates Peyton Manning. Like I appreciate Peyton Manning. Yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, every day, every time I looked at him, I thought that, that guy's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. And I just, I would watch after, after every season, I'd watch every Indianapolis Colts game. And I was like, what is he doing that I can't do? You know? And it was just, the admiration to know how difficult it was and is to do. And I, I see that with other guys now, you know, that I'm just watching and, and admiring in different ways. But, um, you know, the guys who can do it for a long period of time, I love, you know, look at Fitzy. I mean, what's the stat Fitzy? How many drops you've had <laughs> in your career? Some ridiculous low number that's, you know, more tackles or you got more tackles than drops or something like that in your career. I mean, we fired I mean, out we there, the Fitz. What is it? Too many What's drops. the number? Too like many. Like 11 or something. Too many. Too, too many. There wasn't many. Fitz, there wasn't many. Trust me. Yeah. 
But you know, Tom, the other thing I was going to say is like, um, you know, when you look at maximizing sports efficiency, and you talked about that being a goal of yours. You know, we talked about the game and how it's evolved to being more of a skilled game. You're right, and it's a safer game from that perspective, which allows it to be a little bit more longevity. But is there anything in the terms of the offseason that you would like to see? Because it just seems like the preparation-wise, we got these guys, we're thrusting them in there, the limitations on whether it be practices or OTAs or what we can do with these guys to get them to be able to – and we're asking these young guys to play faster, but are they really prepared to do so? I know you spend so yeah. much extra time, like you talked about with Lenny, after practice. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you see could we could enhance that? It's pretty, you know, I, I agree. It's very difficult because there's a, there's an aspect of um, a lot of it goes to, you know, the CBA. And I think the damage that's yeah. been done over the years, because anytime you do your job more often tip, you're going to get better at it. You know, at the right. end of the day, the more you practice it, but the reality is, is do you practice it for free all the time too? You know, and I think the coaches would say yes. And then, the owners would say, you know, they don't care about the offseason as much. So from a negotiating standpoint, you know, again, it's, it's a super deep conversation. You're right. I don't think you get better doing nothing, you know, and at the same time, as a huge advocate of the NFLPA, you know, I believe that players should get, you know, there's a lot of things that have happened over the years with the, with, with the PA that the NFL and the PA just have, can't work together. They have not worked together for a period of time. And I, again, we talk about what's in the best interest of the sport, which obviously coach, you're super interested. I'm super interested. There'd be a lot of people who are super interested in what's best for the sport. There needs to be a meeting of the minds to say, let's talk about what's best for the sport and then try to negotiate from there. So it's, it's, it's very challenging at times, just in my view. I just want to leave you with this, Tom. Honestly, I, you know, I walked away at 49 after 15 years as head coach, and it was for family. And I just can't tell you your leadership and what you represent. And I was said this on the TV yesterday. I said, you know, when I think about you, I think about greatness. And I think guys like Michael Jordan, guys like Tiger Woods, right after the game, the first thing you said is, boy, I left a lot of points out there. <laughs> and it's like you talk about the things you didn't do not the things you've done. You have stayed in the now. And I said, there's a lot to be said for just staying in the now. You've always done that. There's been humility with all you guys did in New England. I knew that with Bill. Great respect for Bill. We've gone against each other for so many years. But the respect that you have for the game, the, the leadership you provide in terms of making sure you've prioritized things and talking about it, take, catching that ball with your daughter has a way of putting a lot of things in perspective that for us sometimes we get caught up in the hoopla and the magnitude of what we do. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, my friend. You are Thanks, a great coach. ambassador for the game. I mean that. Appreciate you are too. Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. <clears throat> great to see you. Thank you. Bill Cower, thanks so much, Bill. Appreciate you joining us. Glad yes. you got to hear that comment because when I heard that comment yesterday uh, on the air, I texted Coach Cower. That's a great comment. Stay in the now and you worry about the things that you didn't do, not the things that you've done. All right, we're going to turn now to Kay Adams, the great host of Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. Kay, go ahead. You're on with Tom. Thank you, Jim, and thank you, Larry and Tom, for having me. This has been very inspiring to listen to, and I have a million questions, but I'll start with this. I thought it was so fascinating, Tom, 
that you're saying that it's more mental than physical at the end of your career looking at what's going to happen and what might unfold in the future. And hopefully you get that Cinderella uh, ending. I just want as honest as you can, the one moment in your life and career that you've come closest to retiring. Uh, Hi, Kay. First of all, I love your show. I ever told you that I love your show. That's an amazing show. Good morning football. You guys have a great crew. And uh, even when Nate comes on, I see everyone lights up because Nate's doing we a miss great him. job still. I know. Um, I have not come close yet. I haven't, I haven't come close. And if I was there teetering, I, I don't think that I would still do it. But I, I just feel like I haven't, um, you know, it's, it's, I've thought about what it would be like to retire, but I have not thought about that real retirement per se. The best part about football is it's fun. You know, I don't think we can forget about that. It's fun. So uh, to retire, to do something that's not fun is I wouldn't look forward to that. So um, again, everyone, so many people on this call are so amazing at what they do. Tom, let me ask you this since you love the show so much. I want to ask you to settle something for me because I, yes. I hear it in bars. I hear it in the morning. We hear seven and three versus four. No athleticism versus being cerebral. What should define the greatest quarterback of all time? Um. It's like saying, uh, do you like steak better or chicken or fish <laughs> or are you vegetarian? Uh, everyone has a different appetite for what they like. So what I like may be entirely different than what someone else likes. And that's a style thing. There's a lot of different ways to get it done from the quarterback position. But if I was to look at four defining traits by a quarterback, I would say, can they think, can they throw, can they lead and can they learn? And I think beyond that, everything else is, is, is a bonus. Um, And if you could do some bonus things, that's great. But if you can't throw it, you know, you're not going to be great. And if you're not a great leader, that's going to be tough. And if you can't think, and if you can't learn, you know, it's going to be a problem. So um, that's, that's what I like. And it's, it's the guys that I really looked up to could do those same things like Steve, who we saw earlier. He could do all those things and he could run shit. That was, <laughs> he could do it all. Thanks, Tom. Come on the show okay. sometime. I will. Great seeing you. Tell everybody. Okay, thanks so hi. much for joining us. Appreciate it. Say, say hey to the crew over there. Kay Adams of the NFL Network. Hello, friends. We've got Jim Nance. You know, you treat your friends the worst. That's why Greg Bishop with his baby, who was the co author <laughs> of my book, is having to wait through all of this, and Jeff Darlington who we love. Uh, They're having to wait through all of this, but we have a special friend. Everybody's been special today, but Jim Nance, just getting home from Tom's game yesterday. Hello, Mr. Nance. Thanks for joining us here on Let's Go. This is so cool to see everyone on here, to listen to Coach, who always inspires me, to hear Kay, and Tom's right. It's an awesome show. She's an amazing host, and I'm just looking here at a Hollywood Squares kind of – mosaic of uh, some people i'd love to be able to have a beer with sometime but tom hey listen well scott van pelt the block is left as have uh adam <laughs> Schefter and chris berman and another uh a whole slew of other folks and i see my guy larry fitz down there by the way i do want to say full disclosure i hear this show every single monday <laughs> and i mentioned it during the miami tampa bay game did i not jim gray you did and that was greatly appreciated and Thank you very, very much. Keep mentioning it, Jim. We appreciate you being on the payroll. 
<laughs> you know, one thing I didn't mention yesterday, this was kind of a little challenge match I had with Romo. It only had happened one time in my career. But I actually did a golf tournament one time where I never mentioned Tiger's name, the entire broadcast the tournament, which he won. A whole Sunday I went through it. I never said Tiger. I never said Woods once. I wrote about it uh, in a book that I wrote about my father years ago. And it, it was one of those occasions where I didn't know what to say anymore. I've used every superlative known to mankind. So it, it just one thing led to the next. And I told Jack Nicholas, I'm not going to say Tiger's name today on the air. Now I'm going to give him full coverage and a lot of love as I always do. So anyway, I was telling that story to Romo on Saturday night. And I said, you know what? This is for yesterday's game. This is Saturday night. I said, I'm not mentioning Tom and I'm not mentioning Brady in the game tomorrow. They will, it will never leave my lips. He said, that's impossible. I probably shouldn't be divulging this, but if you go back and look at the tape, we eventually settled on, I would go the entire first quarter and never say Tom Brady, Tom nor Brady nor Tom Brady or anything. So it's there. And you made it difficult because it was 21, nothing after the first quarter. But that's like, to me, I mean, take it as a, as a symbol of appreciation of, for your awesomeness that I've only done it twice now. And I see so many parallels between you and Tiger and the greatness that you both have achieved. So I got the last three quarters. I got a chance to mention your name a few times anyway. So it was all cool. That's awesome. Amazing. <laughs> So I'm wondering, Jim, you've, 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 you've called 150 of Tom's touchdown passes, I guess 152 now, would that be correct? No, I saw they put that graphic up yesterday and it sounded a little low, but it was a regular season only. And my gosh, all those year playoffs with uh, new England, did every one of those games, basically. Yeah. Uh, I, by the way, what's the matter? What's the matter with football? Why, why are we have playoff records and regular season records? I, I mean, I it's agree. just, in, it's insanity. I mean, Hank Aaron hit 755 home runs, whether he played in the World Series, the playoffs. You know, that's the total number of home runs. I don't know why we're parsing this. It's just insanity because, Tom, you probably have, I don't know how many you have in the playoffs. It's not in front of me. But you long ago passed 600, and now we're celebrating this like it's something, and it's really nothing because 600 was out the window 200 passes ago. <laughs> I mean, no offense to the record. It's wonderful, but, I mean. Yeah. Football, football's got to change this this record and fact book, Jim. And, and you're the guy with the powerful seat to get it done. <laughs> Listen, when you get to numbers, you know you always use the one that supports your story the best. So that that's what that's all about. So, um, by the way, I don't know if you heard it yesterday or about it, Tom, but we were advocating on, on behalf of the poor guy that, that got the, the ball number yeah. 600. And uh, Tracy did a great report on, on what the deal was, the negotiation, and and we were saying, my gosh, that was a terrible negotiation for the, for that poor guy. But I know you took it care was. of him. And then I saw what you did with the kid that, that has beaten brain cancer. We didn't know the full story on that. Oh, there is the ball. We got the okay, ball. Okay, I'm looking at it right now. By the way, it's now up to 600. And what are you, what are you in the regular season, Tom? 602 now? 602. So you're at it's 685 because, I... because they're at 685 because you have 83 in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. So it was six. 80, uh, 681, actually, uh, Jim, that you marked yesterday, but you called it 600. There you go. <laughs> and probably of those 79 postseason uh, uh, touchdowns, I probably have been just because they fell on CBS's era, probably done 60 of those. Um, but you know, I have a, just switch gears on my question. I understand this is a Q&A thing. So uh, what would have been a fair price? How far would you have been if you were standing there trying to yeah. catch that? 
back out of the stands, how far would you have gone, Tom? It's a great question. I It's funny because I walked in this morning. I was doing some scouting on the Saints and stuff. So I met with some of our, our uh, personnel people and they were talking. They said, Did you, you know, our buddy who works for the Bucks said had to go in there and get the ball out and he had to negotiate. I said, well, what did it settle on? They go, the negotiation's not over. He wants, <laughs> he wants more. He's renegotiating. I said, I don't know where they stop. He wants season tickets. He wants jerseys, helmets, because it got published because I, it kept going up and up and up. So I said, I don't want to be in that negotiation. I said, by the way, he's got no negotiation because I got the ball. So he lost his leverage. I mean, once that ball left his hands, it was over for him. You know, there were people that are saying he should have just walked right out of the stadium. I know, I know. Byron Kennedy is the nice man's name. What are you going to do for Byron? Byron? We'll I do something he, nice. I do feel pretty bad that this, you know, whatever happens, we're not ever getting rid of it, but um, <laughs> we got to take care of our boy Byron a bit. <laughs> no, you will. And I, I know you took care of that young kid too yesterday. We didn't know the full extent of that story, but we saw the tears on, on, on the air when you went over and uh, had a little meeting with him by the rail i thought that was just awesome anyway i'm going to step aside except for one last question this is really what i came into this equipped with so your your gift to the game by by going down this avenue of chasing your dream and living it fulfilling it and extending it beyond belief is the loss of what other realm if the football thing never worked out if you went to new england and for some reason you went to camp and Belichick decided to cut you and you didn't get picked up. And now the football thing never happens. What realm had Tom Brady living in it? Because I know your effort level and I know your passion when you focus on something. Where would you be today? What would you have been doing if football in the NFL never happened? The, obviously, I, I hate when people say, um, can I be honest or, or, you know, can I, can I be honest with you? Cause it means they've been bullshitting you the whole time, but right. the real answer <laughs> is, well, wait a minute. Have, is this the 90% of the truth that you tell or the 90% of the, of the truth, truth that you don't tell? It's hundred percent of the truth in that <laughs> I have never even thought about it. I never, never had a plan to do anything else and never conceived into this day I still don't have a plan and never, you know, nor would I. So I, I tell that story a lot too, because I think when people go in with plans, they work on the plans and half their time gets spent doing the thing they want to do. And the other half gets spent doing the other thing they don't want to do. And they never get good at the thing that they really wanted to do. So in my first training camp, we're a week before final cuts and there's four quarterbacks on the roster. I'm the six round pick from Michigan. They got Drew Bledsoe, a veteran backup and Michael Bishop. And I told my agent, hey, I want to buy Ty Law's condo. And it's a week before cuts. And he's like, are you nuts? Like, you're not <laughs> buying Ty's condo. And he, he goes, they haven't had cuts yet. I said, what are you talking about cuts? I'm making, I'm making the team. Like, are you crazy? No, no, no. We're waiting to the cuts. And I had no concept. I mean, to keep four quarterbacks that Coach Belichick did in 2000, no one keeps four quarterbacks. And that was – so I just – again, it comes back to me being – pretty naive uh in 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 just a very lucky way that i just didn't even conceive of this not working out and i'm sure in so many ways it wouldn't have worked out but um just i guess i'm very i'm very fortunate it did or else uh who knows what i'd be doing i really i really don't know it's that's something you can tell it's an honest answer 
And thank you for giving uh, an honest quote here. I just was reading this Wall Street Journal magazine today. And you had something, it was a great story, by the way, and you, 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 the writer says that you recall reading some wisdom about aging, about how younger people spend a lot of time obsessing about what other people think or believing that people are hanging on their every word. And then you hit a certain age mark, 40s and 50s and 60s, and how you look at that all changes. So here's the Brady comment of the day. It's damn good. It's worth remembering, folks. You think people care what you think, and then you care less what people think and then eventually you realize no one cared anyway that's where i am right now and i've gone through the first two phases as well so thank you tom for articulating it better than um, a guy who makes his living with his words could have ever expressed really well done uh it's a good feeling i'm sure and i love seeing you and love having you at our games and uh mission look forward to some golf with you look forward to it pal thank you very much and thank you for uh so many special memories, you know, you kind of hit your career to the moments that you get to cover and um, being able to cover your career is clearly a huge and indelible part of, um, of what my life and my career in this television industry has been all about. It's been a pleasure and an honor and there's more to come. Thanks, Thanks Kyle. Yeah, Thanks, Jim. Great. You're a good man. Jim Thanks, Nance, thank you. Thanks for all your Hi, support Jim. and your great friendship over all these years. The great Jim Nance. <laughs> Hey, Tom, we're going to get to a Jeff Darlington, and Greg Bishop's got his little baby, but I just want to follow up with something Jim Nance just said, and we're on Sirius XM in a podcast. Uh, you wouldn't say this in front of Benny and Vivi, but they've heard it. You've got a lot of fuck you in you, don't you? <laughs> I'm kind of, yeah, yeah. I think there's a definitely a part of me. So it's funny, in the Eagle game, uh, I threw an interception. I was really mad. When I throw interceptions, I, so Derek Barnett came, and they can't really – you know, rough you up at the quarterback if you're not pursuing the football, you know? So I kind of went toward the ball and I saw he kind of grabbed a hold of me. Then I kind of stopped. So of course I take my right forearm and I forearm is face mask. Like, by the way, it moved his head like a quarter of an inch. Cause I mean, I got like, <laughs> and I got a bruise for like two weeks for the last 10 days. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, what the hell did I do that for? <laughs> and the backup blank Gabbert, who's a quarterback on our team, goes, sent me the clip. He goes, man, you really are a dirtbag out there. And I said, I absolutely <laughs> am. And, uh, yeah, you got to have that little that little bit of all of us when we're competing that, you know, we're not out there to make friends. And, you know, you're going to get bumps and bruises along the way. But, you know, we got to have a little of that quality in us that, you know, we're out there to compete and compete to win. So I'm not out there to make friends, I'll tell you that. But there's a conundrum because off the field, you say, you know what? You can't have enough friends. I've heard you tell me that 200 times. Yeah. It's an interesting dilemma there, isn't it? Yeah, but I think they respect that because, you know, I've been around a lot of great competitors on the football field. And um, Rodney Harrison wanted to kill you. He wanted to kill you. But you know what? Those are the guys that I appreciate because he's just trying to do his job the best way he can. It, it's not personal. And, and by the way, he doesn't when, – when the game's over – it's over, you know, there's nothing off the field. And I think I go, man, that's the kind of guy I want to play with. <laughs> I want him as my teammate because that's, you know, that's the kind of attitude he's going to take on the field. So, you know, you, you, you want those guys on your team who are gonna, you know, they're, they're out there to win. They're out there to do a job and they're not out there to, you know, make friends with anybody. You know, they want to go dominate you. And then when it's over, it's over. Look, the, you know, we'll, we'll all walk off and we'll shake hands and, you know, that's that's what an ultimate competitor looks like to me. 
Jim Gray and Tom Brady. Our program is Let's Go, and we're brought to you by GoldenNuggetCasino.com. Now online in Michigan and New Jersey, play your favorite online slots or table games like Blackjack, Roulette, and so much more with over 700 games to choose from. Only at GoldenNuggetCasino.com. We now turn to Greg Bishop, who has been holding his brand new baby in his arms. Uh, he was the co-writer of my book, uh, Talking to Goats. Tom wrote the foreword. It's now out in paperback, but you know Greg mostly from Sports Illustrated. He's their lead writer there. He's done a great job for a long time. He's chronicled the life of Tom Brady. And uh, Greg, it's great to see you with your baby in your arms. Hope that Lisa's Absolutely. doing good and Blakey. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me and apologies for the uh, extra guest here. <laughs> so <laughs> sweet. <laughs> Amazing. That's the MVP of the day right there. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you for having us. You know, I, I went back and listened to all the old shows. I wrote out a list of questions, but hearing you talk about your own family resonated with me in a way that I didn't really expect today. And so in the interest of pivoting, I think I'd like to know what advice you have for parents of a three-year-old newborn. Sorry. Well, I think for me, um, there They've just been the best perspective, I think, on, on you know, we put so much into what we do and it means so much because we're so focused on, you know, achieving and improving and getting better. And then, you know, in the end, you realize your kids don't give a damn about any of that. And we lost the Super Bowl in Minneapolis in 2017. And, um, you know, my kids were crying out of the locker room. And uh, my, my youngest, my daughter, Benny, uh, my daughter, Vivi, and my son, Benny, were crying. And my older son, Jack, was there. And, you know, it was a tough loss, obviously. I was 40 years old, and Jack was, uh, Jack was 11, 10. And he said, I said, hey, guys, Dad's doing okay because you hate to see your kids cry. And my son, Jack, says, it's okay, Dad. You did your best. And uh, they're all, you know, it's all about perspective for them because in the moment, they're just – you know, they're, 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 they're everything and they're soaking it all up. So, you know, he's just going to try to be the best example you can be, but at the same time, they're, the sun's going to come up tomorrow, win or lose the sun's coming up tomorrow, good column or bad column, whether people are going to like it or buy it at the end of the day, they don't give a shit. They just want their dad around. Thank you. Appreciate it. I was lucky enough to be standing outside the locker room right there to see that moment. And it was heartbreaking to see the kids cry, but Jack's a real good big brother because Benny stopped crying almost immediately with that statement. It was it was it was just yeah. um it was a tough moment for you and the family, but it was kind of like just this wonderful family moment like we've been able to observe with Greg Bishop here, whose baby has not uttered a peep for the past hour and fifteen or twenty minutes, and it's really been beautiful. Thanks, Greg. Greg, where were you when my kids were three? I couldn't hold my baby for five minutes without them crying, for God's sake. <laughs> well, we have an all-pro sleeper so far, so we're very grateful for that, you know. And uh, don't take any offense that she slept through the whole show so far. You know, I don't, I don't think it's any personal. So good. <laughs> I have that effect. It's been going on for years. <laughs> At least she didn't change the channel <laughs> or the dial. <laughs> and now last but certainly not least, our good buddy, Jeff Darlington, who is just a terrific reporter. He does a great job uh, on ESPN. You see him all the time on all of the ESPN platforms and networks, and he has patiently been sitting through this I'm entire good, program. This is fun. 
me and uh, me and Aaron were texting earlier that we're just having fun watching this thing. And then I wasn't even thinking about the fact that I have to ask a question. So <laughs> Tom, I was, um, and by the way, Greg, you don't need any advice, dude. You're doing unbelievable. Right there. Amazing. Um, I was uh, not to, I don't want to hammer this too much about the kid last night with the hat, but I actually, when I was walking out into the parking lot, I came across him and his dad playing catch. Like everybody else had left right. And they were still out there playing catch. And I, actually talked to him for a little while and kind of found out a little about the story and like i'm gonna try not to get choked up because it kept getting me all night but he said to me like um if you ever have a chance to tell tom um tell him father to father what he did with the video that you had sent in march changed the whole thing like it changed the whole morale of his approach to cancer and um and he, and he said to his son after that, like, when you get better, we're going to see Tom play. And I thought it was awesome because it wasn't like a, a make a wish thing. It was, I mean, not that's awesome. Those are great, but this was totally organic the way that happened. And I guess I'm, I'm curious, well, first of all, just what does it mean that you can have that kind of an impact or that kind of an imprint on people that you've never met before? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a humbling thing, obviously, and you don't realize that effect because you're not those people who've been affected. All I can remember is when I was affected at that age by the different people that I saw and, and looked up to and admired. So I, you know, I wanted to be like Steve Young when I was a kid. And the fact that, you know, when I got to meet him, it just meant so much to me, but I was a lot older. And um, it's very difficult to see people go through so many circumstances. And I actually called my parents after the game on the way home. I had my daughter in the car with me and uh, I said, you know, they said that was a really cool moment. And I said, you know, we're just, we're always so blessed. You know, it's again, I, the, the perspective on life and the blessings we have from playing football game. I don't care whether we win or lose anymore. I really don't. I want to win, but I love playing. And I'm going to do my best every week. But what matters is my family. What matters is, you know, how people are doing. The effect, you know, I, I care more about my teammates' careers than mine. <laughs> you know, I just want them to do great. I want their families to succeed. You know, I've, I've had it all come my way already. You know, I'm on borrowed time. The more I see other people succeed, the more gratifying it is for me. The more I see Mike get in the end zone and Antonio get in the end zone the better it is for me. The more I see Chris get the contract he deserves and Lenny to get the contract, the better it is for me. Cause I don't, I've had my time. I've had my part, you know, I want to see others succeed. So, you know, you see people are going through really tough circumstances in life and kids who are battling these diseases, man, it's, it's hard. It's really tough. And I know, you know, Larry, you probably get a lot of requests still from different people and, and all of us do, we all get there's different things that come up and little ways we can help signing something, sending something, um, a video of something, encouragement at different times. And I think for me, it's just that it's a good reminder always to, to count my blessings too. you know, that, you know, it's, uh, you know, you know, I'll, I'll add Tom to that. I know that people see that moment at the end of the game, but I can't tell you over my career, the amount of people have reached out to me to tell me their story about their interaction with you that doesn't get publicized. So as much as you do when the camera's on, I hope people realize how much you do as well when the camera's off, because it's, it's yeah. inspiring. Thanks. We all do. And we all do our, we're, you know, we'll always do our part because that's what we're supposed to do. You know, caring, I think is caring is, is what's cool. 
caring is what's great leadership. Caring is what the right thing to do is. And when you stop, stop caring about people, you know, you just, it's, it's, it becomes very dysfunctional. You know, we, we got to care more. You got to care more about the people that aren't cared for. We got to care more about, you know, the people who don't have the opportunities or that are going through the tough times. And that's what we can do. And we can do it in small ways, just one-to-one. And obviously in, in other ways that, like I said, so many people do these days uh, because they have notoriety in order to uh, celebrate and bring awareness to causes that really need a lot of attention in order to make change, significant change. And, um, you know, I know so many people on this call are doing amazing things and, uh, you know, we'll always try to do the same. Hi, everybody. Christopher Mad Dog Russo here. Familiar? You should be. Well, now you can catch Mad Dog's Daily Bite each day as a podcast where you'll hear my thoughts and opinions on the biggest topics around the world of sports, NFL, baseball, golf, NBA, even the hockey. That you know you can count on. That's Mad Dog's Daily Bite. Drops daily anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can also hear me weekdays 3 to 6 Eastern on Mad Dog Unleashed, Sirius XM Channel 82, or anytime on the SXM app. Welcome back to the best of Let's Go. After Ben Roethlisberger announced his retirement in December, Larry Fitzgerald spoke about the difference between walking out on your own terms and being forced out of the game. I don't know. There's a lot of different factors. You know, you consider, you know, are you are you comfortable with your financial situation? Are you are you happy with the accolades and things that you've achieved on a personal and team level? Um, you know, do you still think there's a lot of football left in you? you know, have you sustained injuries? There's so many different factors and why the guys make the decisions that they make um, to continue or to try to play as long as you can and then taking that out of your own hands and let the teams decide. Um, and so I, I think there's some that understand, you know, maybe they, they've lost a step or, you know, there's no need for them to continue to play. And then others that, you know, will play until the wheels literally fall off. And, um, you know, I've talked to guys who've gone out gracefully in terms of Barry Sanders and uh, Calvin Johnson. Then you talk to guys also who, you know, had to be walked off the field, um, you know. And so I think there's sometimes, you know, when you have a lot of things going on outside of the field that, you know, can interest you. And I mean, guys have the ability to walk away, you know, on their own terms. Or the circumstance just isn't right. I mean, look at Gronk. Gronk obviously had a lot left in the tank. Look at how this guy's playing. I mean, just phenomenal. Uh, and for whatever the reason, time was up in New England. He'd had enough. Whatever it was, well, with all the I, success, you know, and maybe his body at that time was really yeah. hurt and he was uh, suffering injuries uh, every yeah. season. Uh, but now he's come back, you know, totally rejuvenated these last two years, did have some injuries this year. So could be the circumstance for Big Ben, too. He he may well, just have had enough of being in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, with with Gronk, I mean, he was he was really really banged up. Uh, you know, the last two two years he played in New England, and you know, being able to have a year off to be able to reset your mind, get down to Florida, where you're playing in great conditions, practicing on natural grass every day, playing with the greatest uh, player to ever lace him up again uh, in an offense that really you know um, you know puts you in position to go out there and be successful. You know, he, he just got a new Don't lease on Don't sugarcoat life. this. Don't sugarcoat this. Well, J- Jim, he was it banged was up. It was the body and, and it was in- also the circumstance. He did not want to be where he was. Had Tom had Tom still been in New England? No, I don't think I don't think Gronk would have gone anywhere. So, I mean, I think he the circumstances. Have come back. Even with Tom? He wouldn't have come back. Even with Tom he would there? would not have come back. 
I don't believe he would have come back. I guess only one that really knows that is Gronk. But I don't believe that he was coming back under those circumstances, regardless of how he felt physically. You may be right, but I, I'm, I, I think I don't think we'll ever know the true answer to that. But um, well, we'll get Gronk have... on here. <laughs> Let him stir it up for himself instead of me, because I, I'm not close to Gronk. Uh, that's just my assessment, and it's an assessment from afar. But. Uh, Sometimes time's up. It's it's okay. That's there's, there's nothing wrong with that. He's not he's not hating on his experience. He loved his experience there. Made him famous. He excelled to the highest level of achievement, and he became a household name. So I'm sure he has tremendous respect, uh, reverence, and admiration for his time there. But he didn't want to go through that anymore. And I get the feeling. I just get the feeling. Again, this isn't based on talking to Ben. I don't know that it could be the same thing, that that it's hard to be the quarterback at the Pittsburgh Steelers with all of the expectations and everything that goes on, and perhaps he's just worn out of that experience, not of playing football. Yeah, I, I agree. 18, 18 years in the same place and dealing with everything that comes with that, you know, in one of the most storied franchises in all the National Football League, it's, it's not an easy burden to, to carry uh, with you for that amount of time. Special thanks, Dave the Snake Hagen. He had a lot to do here today. Production assistance by Harris Fabishoff to our sponsors, Mastros, USAA, Ring United Wholesale Mortgage, and GoldenNuggetCasino.com. The Let's Go Podcast with Tom Brady was produced by 199 Productions in collaboration with Scratchy Productions. We're going to talk to you again next Monday night right here on Sirius XM. Let's go. Sirius XM Podcasts.